1: Dr. Stringer is considered one of the top chiropractors in Chicago, and he is a contributing member of our National Network of Industry Professionals. Today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, understanding the causes of disc herniation. Hi, Dr. Stringer. How are you today?
0: I'm well, thanks, Liz. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining me. So, before we talk about the causes of disc herniation... Can you explain what the purpose of a spinal disc is and what it means to become herniated?
0: Absolutely. So, essentially, a disc sits between two vertebrae, two bones within the spine. Obviously, that's all the way from the top of your neck all the way to the bottom of your spine. And a disc is essentially imagine a jelly donut. So, the bread of the donut is the collagenous tissue on the outside of the disc, and the jelly inside the donut is the uh, uh, is the fluid within the center part of the disc essentially this job is to act like a shock absorber between the bones um and essentially really important job of a disc is to separate the bones enough so the nerve canal allows. there's a lot of room for the nerve to come out of the nerve canal and obviously healthy discs that are full of fluid nice and spongy nice and malleable um allow the spine to move flex and rotate absorb a lot of force from you know, for example, if you're running from the floor up or if you're sitting and gravity's coming down. And like this is really, really important to separate those bones and keep space for the nerves. Now, essentially, a herniation, you have different types of, essentially, disc pathology. That just means issues within the disc. And the first thing that happens when it is disc under pressure from poor posture, for example, you're going to start to lose disc space from poor alignment. So that creates a disc bulge, that's where the disc fluid starts to kind of bulge into the nerve canal. And then when the disc herniates, essentially what it means is the collagenous tissue on the outside of the disc essentially starts to crack and break. So instead of keeping the fluid in the central part of this where it should be, that fluid starts to shift out away from the central part of the disc and it can shift into the nerve canal, for example. And then obviously there's different types of herniations or so let's say different severities of herniation. And without getting too technical, it's all based on the amount of damage within the collagenous tissue, um, how badly damaged it is, and also how much fluid is coming out of the disc. For example, a bulge in a herniation is on the lower end, whereas a dissection and or a prolapse is obviously when the disc is completely damaged and more often than not needs surgery. Um so, yeah, it's super important, and the less
1: herniated disc you have, the better. And can excessive strain, force, or traumatic injury cause a herniated disc?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and there's different types of trauma, right? And alluding to your question, uh, a traumatic injury, for example, a car accident, you're driving down the road, you're at a stop sign, so on. Uh, rear injury at 50 miles an hour that's going to create a massive amount of force that's going to be absorbed predominantly by the spine and this is absolutely going to damage the soft tissue muscle against tendons and it can absolutely damage the disc enough to herniate dissect or even prolapse but to the early part of the question can excessive strain cause herniation of this absolutely now what is strain could it be a lifting injury and we had poor lifting form and you've gone to lift and it's created damage in the disc. That can absolutely happen. Or it can be a repetitive stress which over time creates stress and strain within the disc. For example, you've got really poor neck posture, your head's at in front of your chest, you've lost your neck curve, you're putting too much pressure to the front of the disc. Well, repetitively over time that stress and strain and tension is going to break that joint down and break the disc down which can cause disc pathology, bulges, herniations, absolutely. So there's different ways and different types of trauma and strains that can absolutely damage um, the, the disc within the spine.
1: And can the aging process cause herniated discs?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and we talk about this a lot with our um, patients. We all degenerate in our lives, but how quickly is up to us, right? So... If the spine's in alignment and the joint's moving well, that should, create, that should keep the disc fluid, or pardon me, the disc stimulated. And when the spine moves, it stimulates the disc, and that's how the disc creates osmosis and fills full of fluid. So there's no reason why, just by aging, we should break down and have herniated disc. Now, what happens is we age, well, obviously as we age, the fluid within the disc essentially um, dissipates, and there's less fluid within the disc, which creates the disc become more brittle because it's not full of fluid, and obviously as we age, we do we show degenerative changes just because you know when we're a geriatric and gravity's been playing playing its toll on the spine over time. You are going to see degenerative changes, but how severe is up to us based on alignment, function, and obviously traumas. Um, so just by aging, this do not need to herniate, but by aging, can it lead to issues within the disc and the joint, absolutely, due to dehydration in the disc, degenerative changes in the joint, and those two things are going to create pathology and issues within the disc. But just by aging, it doesn't necessarily mean your disc is going to herniate, but by aging, that can happen as a byproduct, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And are some people genetically prone to disc herniation?
0: You know, I'm yet to see any research that backs that. That genetics play a role in disc herniations. Now, does that completely rule it out? No. There are conditions out there that are, um, that, are, um, that can be genetically based. For example, just really hypermobile joints, or too much elasticity in the collagen within the joint. So, if a joint moves too much due to that condition, then yeah, the disc is going to have more stress and tension on it than a joint that's moving within normal limits. So, that can make you prone to more disc herniations. So that question's a tough one in terms of answer. I'm unaware of a genetic condition that creates herniations within the disc. However, there are spinal conditions and soft tissue conditions that are genetic that can create issues in the joint, which can lead to more propensity of disc herniations, absolutely. But just because your old man blew out his low back working in the factory for 40 years doesn't mean that that's going to happen to you. There's a lot that goes into it. Again, alignment, joint function, the type of stress, that you put in the joint and the disc in the day to day.
1: All right, and lastly, are there any other causes of disc herniation that we have not discussed?
0: I don't think we haven't discussed a specific cause, but let's discuss posture because essentially posture is the window to your health. And we practice downtown in the South Loop in Chicago, and obviously we're speaking to the local community on the importance of good posture, spine alignment, how it optimizes. Function within the nervous system and allows us to function optimally. So, if we're in poor posture, this example we should have a 40 degree curve in our lower back because we've been sitting on desk for 10 years, 40 hours a week. That curve is now at 20%. Or, pardon me, 20 degrees. We lost 50% of the curve within our lower back, which is quite common to see within uh, the corporate athlete. Well, what happens is because the curve is designed to absorb force at the back of the joint, well, because we have less of the curve, the, weight instead of being absorbed at the back of the joint where all the extra bone is is now going to migrate to the middle or the front of the joint so then when we're seated in a flex position leaning forwards the weight is now not being absorbed at the back of the joint where it should be it's being absorbed at the front so obviously as we repetitively do this over time if the front of the joint in our lower back for example is absorbing more force than the back this is going to increase pressure in the disc by seating, by being seated and sitting in a flexed position, so leaning forwards, that's poor posture, and research is pretty clear, you can increase pressure within the joint by 300%. So by repetitively doing this day-to-day, that can absolutely lead to issues in the disc, herniations, degeneration in the spine. I think that's an important piece that we also need to discuss.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Stringer. We know you're busy, so I want to thank you for all of your time and help today.
0: Appreciate you having me on this. Thank you.
1: And for our listeners across the country, if you are interested in speaking with the doctor, please visit www.southloopchiropractor.com or call 312-987-4878 to schedule an appointment. And on behalf of our team, we want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you more top-quality content from our country's leading experts.
0: You've been listening to...